Hola socios, hola equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Norberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Corey Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh, Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of the big interview. My name is Neil. I'm originally from Scotland, but now living in Barcelona. Hey, why did I become a socio? Well, you could reference uh, Mr. Hunter's knowledge and access to some great football characters, but I'm going to go for his exceptional use of swear words. He really seems to strike the right chord. They're not overused. <laughs> As a Scotsman, it's something I uh, really value. My favourite interview of the season, I'm going to go for Kevin Kilban. He came across as a really open, honest, funny and down-to-earth guy. In general, seemed like the sort of person you could happily sit down, have a pint with him and just listen to his stories. Hello and welcome to the big interview at the World Cup. My name's Neil White and in Moscow with the Spain team ahead of their last 16 tie against the hosts is Graham Hunter. Graham is just back from Spain's training ahead of tomorrow's big game. I'm not sure if he participated or not. Graham, what news from Fernando Hierro's camp? Well, repetitive themes and an interesting moment. An interesting moment which echoes things that happened in um, South Africa. As you may well remember that in Pochestrum one dark evening, Fernando Llorente did the most mild sort of turn and held Raul Albiol off. And Albiol was wheeled off to hospital and never played another moment in the tournament. And the guy who commiserated with Fernando Llorente and looked after him and, and sort of fathered him a little bit because he looked shell-shocked at what had happened was Pepe Reina. Now, Pepe committed his own one today. Training was good. Training was really, really interesting. Again, huge amounts of players fooling around, fooling around with the ball, fooling around with each other, hitting each other. An awful lot of hitting each other going on in this Spain camp right now. It's a big thing that they do. They ping each other's ears or they give each other a slap. And that's like partly it's a punishment if you fail in the rondo. Sometimes it's just like school kid stuff about sneaking up behind a teammate and battering him. <laughs> and at the centre of it is always Diego Costa. And the build-up to this incident is, is is really quite nice because everybody is yelling and laughing and the ball is flying. And there's a moment when the ball gets lofted up and Pepe Reina's in the middle and he goes chasing the ball and he catches Piquet in, in sort of mid-air as they both leap for the ball because Reina is a very, very competitive animal. But as he comes down, as he plants his foot, the heel comes right down onto Piquet's ankle. Total accident. But as Piquet winces and limps away, Pepe Reina goes chasing after him with his arm around, like, sorry, mate, flipping heck, sorry, mate. I, you know, God, I didn't mean to do that type thing. And Piquet sort of winced around for like 10, 15 seconds and then sat down and boot off and, and sock off, doctor's on, sprays applied. And he's a tough, mean, old, ordinary critter. So I think he's going to be fine for the game. But it was one of those moments where you're like, oh, whoa. And Fernando Hierro, who'd been, again, sort of playing with the ball himself, just keep playing, keep you up. That thing where you, you, you cut your foot underneath it, like a like a lovely slice in a, in a wedge in a, in a golf course where you're trying to get up and down, kicking his foot underneath it, spin it back as it bounced and sort of laying the ball long passes where the kit men were laying out footballs as part of a drill. He was helping the work by just snooker, um, shotting the, the ball along the green turf into position for them, just having a good old time, affecting not to notice what was going on with his centre-half until 
because it was down long enough that Yarrow wandered over just to have a little schoolmasterly look over the shoulder of the physios to say, anything here? But I'd say nothing to see here. I think that they're going to have their usual centre-half pairing of uh, Sergio Ramos and Piquet at the back. And, and Ramos left the stadium spotting in the tunnel as he came out of the dressing room towards the team bus, spotting a camera, pointing at him, doing the strongman thing and, and looking pretty confident and looking pretty muscular too, it must be said. So the repetitive themes that I mentioned were like no more mistakes, no more mistakes, no more mistakes. And another repetitive theme is that since what, a couple of days ago when that horrible thing that the media do when they say to a player, well, you know, it, it seems you feel as if we're being too critical of you. And then the player says, well, actually, yeah. And then it's like, players complain about criticism. You're like, dude, this is not, that's not our business. That's not what communication about football is all about. But what came out then, as, as I told you, Thiago was on the front foot about it. David Silva was speaking today. And both he and Yero talked about positivity. And, and Yero was like, one of the guys in the press pack was like, well, Spain have never beaten a host. And he trotted out a, a figure saying that Spain, eight times in all competitions, Spain have played a host. And eight times they've lost. Now, I can only remember South Korea and England in 96. But as, as soon as this guy mentioned it, Fernando Yero was like, oh, that's a way to be positive. That's a way to encourage us, isn't it? Now, that big row, I don't know what you thought of it, Socios O'Neill, about the, the team being in the hands of the England assistant and the media being treated well by the FA and, and, and being given really good facilities and probably being given more, um, more trust and more access. Yet, when Holland was walking around with the eleven. I think probably against Panama, clearly on show, uh, there was a huge row about what is the role of the press? If that story comes out, is it ridiculous that because they've given access that the media can show the 11 for the upcoming game? Is it stupid for the coach to be wandering around with it in plain sight? And once you see it, do you do you smother that story? Do you, do you publish it? And of course you publish it. It's, it. You know, if something needs to be secret, it should be kept secret. And if, if you spot something like that, it's a really good story. Um, and that's, why, that's where I think Spain and their media are at the moment on this match day prior to a really huge occasion at the Luciniki against the hosts, a beautiful stadium, an old stadium, but massive and, and impressive inside. And it'll be, you know, the atmosphere will be not for the faint-hearted, I would point out. And therefore, there is this division and there is this consistent cry, not too shrill, but from the Spanish technical staff of players saying, Stop slagging us off. Get behind us. Well, you know, best of luck with that one. But um, Spain have got the ability to play better. And I think that's all that's really being asked. And if I, you know, was standing in one instance, the Ronda Neal was about 10 feet away from me. And it, it was, again, I, I, I don't want to sound repetitive, but I can only tell you what I see. If, if this is a build-up to another performance like the Iran one or the Morocco one, then I'll be surprised again because it looked sharp. They are intense. They want this. They, um, they've they practised well. Fernando Ayero said it's been optimum training this week. And the temperatures have dropped absolutely beyond belief to the point at which at 30 degrees I'm finding it quite nippy. And, and there you are. Did you ever think you'd hear me saying that? <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I look back to that Portugal game, for spells of the Portugal game, Spain looked irresistible. And I wonder if the knockout format and teams who are more up for a scrap might suit them. I'm not sure. 
I think teams that are more open, Neil, I, that's another thing that Silva said. And, and again, they hammer it. And, and what you worry about from my position is that you help me a lot because these chats, although we record it for the socios, it, it does help put it in context when you talk it through with somebody. So what we're having to filter is when the Spain players and other players from other nations repeatedly say, well, look, everybody's kind of struggling to break through in the group stages to, to quash a, a little rival. And I talked about margins the other day. You wonder, is that them just covering up for something that's amiss? Or is it fair point? Fair point well made. I, I think that where the difficulties come tomorrow against Russia, like you hinted at, there'll be different difficulties. I think Russia will it will almost be an imperative to, to get after Spain because of the mood of the nation, because of the size of the crowd, because of the absolute dominance they'll have in terms of the, the split of the support. I think that Spain will be challenged in terms of the, you know, Russia will try to beat them out dead balls, second balls, pace, they'll be harassed, they'll be run at. And just as you were hinting, there is a possibility that leads to more space and more of the things that we recognise about a good Spain performance. A couple of our socios over at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, our supporters trust, have been interested around potential areas of the selection for Yero. Miles Channels wanted to know if we might see Spain break out the midfield diamond that they've used now and again. Do you see any change in system from Fernando Yero for this one? You know, Miles, I, I think that there's a model which was Rakitic and Busquets at Barcelona this season. It didn't win them the Champions League, but it, it did win them the double domestically. And what we saw was the enormous amount of physical work that Rakitic was able to put in, even being a very, very good footballer, which allowed more time and space for Busquets and Iniesta. And the idea that usually both of the fullbacks, let's say whether it was Sergio Roberto or Semedo, plus Alba could flood into midfield. That gave Barcelona uh, an ability to counteract some of the things that are wrong, which is that you know they, they no longer keep the ball and use it metronomically as they used to. Busquets is a little bit older. Iniesta is reaching a stage of his career whereby patently it's now all about the ability, not really about the athleticism. And therefore, I think there's a model to be picked up there. Diamond or not, I'm, it is, I suppose it depends how, Miles, you apply that mentally. I, I think that if you have Isco in the midfield, which is w- what we're moving to, um, the idea that it should be Aspas and Costa up front with Isco, Koke, Busquets and Iniesta in the, in the midfield. If, if, if Isco's playing in the midfield properly, then the idea is that he links the two lines, that he's the, the play-through player. But is he a 10 at the top of a diamond? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit unconvinced about that. Um, one, that he'll do it, and two, that it's right. But you, you may well be right. And... Where I think there's a clear room for improvement is that whether you pick Thiago or Koke, one of the things you know about Koke is that he he makes it very difficult for opponents to thrive. And he is, above and beyond that, a really good footballer too. And I think that it may be that Thiago is somebody for when games are a little bit more um, broken. So I wouldn't be shocked if he started, but I think it's going to be Koke. And I think that Isco for a Real Madrid shows exactly what he should be doing uh, here in Lushniki tomorrow. The guy who harasses, wins the ball and passes and beats men and makes chances and scores. Now he does that for Real Madrid and that's why he's he can be considered such a special footballer. And and while he's been playing quite advanced and quite wide, I genuinely don't think that Spain have got the best out of him. He's 
possibly been Spain's best player, but they haven't got the best out of him for their own sake. And he can he can be the element that means Spain keep the ball more if he plays in midfield, linking between midfield and attack. And and where the magic can then come from is is the combination between Aspas and Costa. So Miles, diamond or not, what I expect to see and hope to see is a midfield of Koki, Iniesta, Busquets and Isco. So in that picture, David Silva drops out of the starting eleven, And in terms of the midfield that you've just named, David Black, another of our socios, sent in a question about exactly that decision for Iero and a name that I'm not even sure if we've mentioned in any of these podcasts. He wants to know if you think Saul has suffered from the changing coach, a favourite of Lopetegui and not, it would seem, of Iero. It's been interesting. I actually can't remember how much we've talked about this. And, and Saul is a very irrepressible character. And I think that, although he's never said it, and he's never dropped his intensity, I think he's been suffering a little bit. I think he hasn't enjoyed not really feeling uh, that he's got a big twist of the cards in terms of playing. You know that there's always one or two at a tournament. If you exclude the third goalie, there's always one or two. We, we're all left thinking, boy, either at the time or retrospectively, you know, why were they here? What does that feel like? Now, it doesn't mean that his chance won't come. He, I think, potentially suffers from... If if there's going to be a change in style and personnel in midfield um, from the old guard, it's probably Koki because of the amount of closing down work that he does. But Saul has special talent. He's got goals. He's got power from distance. He's... Terrific in a midfield leap when, um, if, if it's first ball, second ball for headers. He's got the lot. He's here for a reason. Do I think he starts tomorrow? No. Has he been doing anything in training which would eliminate him from the coaches thinking? No, definitely not, David. There'll be a moment when we don't just learn about Saul and his abilities at World Cup. When It's when, what we've been talking about for the last couple of days. I, I don't want to lie to you. I, I'm, I'm learning about Yero and I... I can't tell you, I know how he thinks, but I suspect that he's a little bit conservative. And I suspect that if he leaves Silva out, it will cost him a little bit because he believes in him. It's patently clear that on form, David Silva can be one of the players of the tournament. It's also quite clear that he's had not a bittersweet World Cup, but th- there have been moments, including the what the second goal against Portugal, um, where he's absolutely directly involved, but other moments where he's cut teams open. It just has looked a little bit as if he could do with playing um, in the last 20 minutes of a game where it's broken. Broken game is a good expression as far as I'm concerned, where tactical discipline has been eroded a little bit, where the clever people, the people with touch and vision and space, the people with sort of geometry in their head, like David Silva, can benefit. And I think that it can be looked at as a positive for Yero to say to him, um, look, so he came and spoke today. So there's a there's a sort of um, a little bluff. If he speaks at the press conference, is he playing? He was asked directly by one of the radio guys, "Can you tell us that David Silva starts tomorrow?" And he said, and Fiero said, "There'll be eleven players tomorrow." Yeah, but is Silva playing? There'll be eleven players tomorrow. Now, he said outright when De Gea was playing, and I, you could get lost in endless speculation about mind games, and I don't particularly enjoy that. It's time for David Silva to take a breather, to watch the game 
and to hit the ground running with 20 minutes left, I think. And I think that's partly because of his long season, his demanding season, his age. He's got a lot of family stress. He's won a title with Manchester City. And the other side of it is that um, Aspas merits a start. How can it be, David, if we if we think about um, Saul and that we don't say, yeah, but the first change in, in what would be regarded as the standard 11 is the guy who in less than 400 minutes of international football has got six goals and five assists. What more does Aspas have to do? And if, if Spain were to start this game and do badly or lose tomorrow and Aspas wasn't a main protagonist, you'd be, you'd be within your rights to say to the coach, what were you thinking? So I, for me, if Aspas doesn't start, it, it will be... Uh, ludicrous, and that then increases the queue for Saul, because if Silva doesn't start, you'd imagine that he's one of the first two changes. I see. So the Aspas decision forced by form, and then that has a domino effect that is probably eventually bad news for Saul. I think I get it. I think so. I think so. Okay, let's take a break. After that, we're going to move away from Spain and look at a couple of features of France's 4-3 win over Argentina. Okay, we're recording this in between the first two last 16 games on Saturday. So we're going to talk a little bit about France-Argentina now. I'm afraid we are a little too early as we speak, Graham and I, to talk about Portugal versus Uruguay, as fun as that fixture promises to be. So it was Kylian Mbappe's game, Graham. He looks like a player who has graduated to the very highest level in world football. PSG are expected to complete a permanent transfer for the teenager around about 180 million. But will a big World Cup make that more complicated, I wonder? Look, I think the first thing to say is that it's a thrill when you see a player like this. It doesn't matter what national shirt he's wearing. We all get embroiled in the in the in the ways to talk about football. I I never forget the privilege I've got when I'm standing on the pitch today and wandering around in um, areas which are prohibited to everybody else, um, doing a one-on-one with Yero, a one-on-one with Silva. These are great things. The fun, I feel very, very lucky indeed. I, I feel quite privileged to be in a country that I, I hadn't properly discovered before. I've been to however many cities now, I don't know, four or five. And, and I genuinely think I'll see a couple more. But the the root of this thing that we do is 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 talent like Mbappe's and um, we can make an industry out of it we can develop graphics we can analyze it better we can get controversy you can talk about their boots their strips the the pitches the stadia whatever the hell you like it's all about people like Mbappe now I remember the, the first time this this name came up I think you were with me it was John Collins I mean a couple of years ago now saying to us Look out for Lamar and Mbappe. They're very, very, very special. And John's words in one of the big interviews, um, I can't remember, he, he mentioned Mbappe on the tape at least. Whether he uses the phrase about better than Thierry Henry at this stage, off the record to us, off mic, at his golf club, or on the tape, I, I now can't remember. But I got back to the value of these interviews where you get people who know what the hell they're talking about. And John had been surprised by me knowing that um, before the billionaire Russian that owns the club now had taken over, Prince Albert had said to John, I want you back. I want you to come and take over. And I'd known that. He was shocked. And I think that brought out of him maybe more information than he he knew he was going to give. And and what he said um, really very clearly was that Mbappe was 
extra, extra, extra special. Now, that's been proven um, in a number of different ways because he adapted to Paris Saint-Germain in my point of view. His hometown, admittedly, I'll give you that, better than Neymar did. But there was a second here in this game where I admit I was cutting a feature while sneakily watching um, France-Argentina out of the corner of my eye. Cutting a feature means we've got something called a daily training update, which becomes a DTU. So every day we have to write, um, we have to choose images for and write a script for and pick quotes from the press conference for a daily training update, which is a package of about 90 seconds that you send off to the rights holders so that they can use it in the news bulletin. So if you get somebody in you know, Adelaide or Hawaii or <laughs> Dundee or Nuremberg whose um, television station hasn't been at training with Spain that day, you can make it look as if they were. So while doing that, while cutting that feature, that news little bulletin, um, I, I thought I saw a Michael Owen moment. It's not quite the same. But when that run, now Neil, help me, it's going to be for the first goal that Griezmann scores as a penalty, right? When Mbappe bursts away, draws, I think, Rojo to him. And then just just the, the, the most simple thing that we've all maybe done, never mind our, our level of talent, we've all done it at school or in our, you know, in our games when we're younger, when you just kick it beyond your opponent and run. <laughs> and he does that. And I remember being in, I'm certain it was Sinetti in that night of the England-Argentina game. I was working at that game as England correspondent. And I remember there had been a, a big debate about Glenn Hoddle and Michael Owen and him playing or not playing and Hoddle telling Owen to cut across players, cut across defenders with his running style so that they're given the choice about, do I let him go? Because if he's, if he's by my side, there's a chance of getting a tackle or even a, a shoulder barge that the referee will let get away with. But if you're in front of the defender, he's got to choose, leave you alone to shoot or try and take you down. And And of course, that's what... I mean, was it Ayala? I think Ayala was one of the defenders in Sinetian when Michael Owen made that extraordinary run and scored that goal. And it's a better image and it's a better moment than Mbappe's today because this ends in a penalty uh, rather than Owen's great goal. But that's what it made me think of instantly. That was my reaction. That I saw a player who knew that if he... One, he had him for pace. He had his opponent for pace. I'm certain it was Rojo. And he also knew that there there was a gap there. He used space perfectly... And Griezmann tucked away the penalty nice. And I thought that was, you know, as much as when Mbappe scores like the best of his two goals or adds the fourth um, to make it 4-2, these are going to be iconic. Um, I think it's the he's the youngest since Pelé to score a double in a World Cup, I'm pretty sure. And therefore, you know, these are very, very special times. And if you love football, they're enjoyable too. But you talked about his... You know, is it more difficult? It's 180 million price tag. Paris Saint-Germain, last I heard, you know, although they were looking as if they'd get away without financial punishment, it's it's a lot of money. Do they do they want to give um, Mbappe more prominence and allow Neymar to go to Real Madrid? I don't know the answers to these questions. But I, I'll tell you right now that between him and Neymar, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching Mbappe more. He may have fewer tricks, but he's my kind of footballer, can play wide, scores from all kinds of different positions in all kinds of different ways, has handled this nonsense over his status and his money really, really well, chose Paris Saint-Germain because he was told he'd play rather than going to Real Madrid where his people told Real Madrid all summer, unless you ship out one of the big three up front, this guy's not coming. Again, I like that. 
So, big win today. Goodbye, Leo Messi. Hello, Kylian Mbappe. Probably golden boy of the tournament just for that alone. And I tipped a mutual friend of ours before the tournament that I thought he was a 100% stick on to win golden boy. And this has done him no harm, I'd say. We've talked plenty about Argentina and Leo Messi. Your heart overhead prediction or, or wish at the start of this tournament was that Messi would end it with a World Cup win. That clearly is uh, is not going to happen this time. Is there anything else to be said? I mean, he looked accepting. They all looked rather accepting at the end of an extraordinary 90 minutes of football. Where does this fit in to the Messi story? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, I've yet to find out whether he's in a role in Dybala not playing. Dybala is a talented footballer, no question about that. Dybala is a footballer who could have lit up this World Cup, no question about that either. Dybala is a dope because when he said, um, when I play with Messi, I don't know what to do because he kind of plays in my position. Hold on, son. Just, you know, rewire your head, take the words back. Make sure they think them, but don't make sure they don't come out. And I can't help believing that, that Dybala has has cooked his own goose for this World Cup. But in doing so, how the hell can it be that Argentina lack control, technique, inspiration in so many positions and really haven't found a role for Dybala at all? Now, what I don't want to discover is that that's under Messi's mandate. It's hard to understand that they've gone out like this and struggled going through with very little, if any, football from Lo Celso, who is a good footballer. And I think next to nothing from Dybala. There'll be a reckoning on that, but it'll be too late to to do any good for the players who matter in that Argentinian side. If this is the last we see of Di Maria in a World Cup, if I say if, if this is the last we see of... Banega in a World Cup, then I'll be sorry. I was excited when Mercado scored. I was excited to, you know, look at the way in which they'd taken a 1-0 deficit and Di Maria's goal, then Mercado's goal caused by Messi. And I suppose, are we talking about two assists for Messi when, you know, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be stomped into the ground because, you know, he didn't own the game on his own and score six and whatever. I think he, did he make the Kun Aguero header at the end? Yes, that's a, a deep pass from Messi for Aguero. And he makes the Mercado goal as well. Um, But, of course, that doesn't count, you know. It's only two assists. What the hell? Um, I'm sad. It's done. It's a reflection of the change in the nature of Argentinian football. The the emphasis on technique and quality and and doing special things with the ball has, by Jorge Valdano's own testimony, changed dramatically. The, The level of corruption and the level of stupidity in that FA has had a corrosive effect on a brand of football that I think almost all of us enjoyed watching. They've had to pay the bill for a very, very long time of poor decisions from the Argentinian FA and a decline in the level of talent available. And that makes me not judge Messi differently. It just makes me a little bit sad for him because had circumstances been different and had he been surrounded by more competent players, or in the finals where he hauled them there, 
Cup Americas and, and, the, and the World Cup final, had there been twists of fate in his favour, then he'd have lifted one of, those, one of those trophies that mattered so much to him. OK, thanks for listening. Tomorrow is a Spain match day, and that usually means a very, very, very late night for Graham Hunter and a late-filed podcast, sometimes from the aeroplane as he joins the Spain team on the return flight to Krasnodar. We'll see what happens this time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying these World Cup podcasts, please tell someone about them. Remember, you can also support us by saying yes to free beer. Go to beer52, that's the word beer and the number 52.com forward slash big for the details. And you can get four pounds off your razors at trygillette.com forward slash big interview. Match day tomorrow, Graham. Prediction. They made me nervous, Neil, in that the evidence thus far has been enough to say they should be playing really well because the attitude, the training, the decisions, the personnel, the age, the, the, the desire for this World Cup, all of those boxes are ticked. So what the bloody hell? Or indeed, football, bloody hell. Spain to go on, man, Spain to go on, and that's not just a gesture of defiance. They are good enough to cope with the atmosphere. They are good enough to play on what looked like a good surface today when I was there. Yeah, Spain to go on. I really hope you're enjoying these World Cup shows. We've got huge plans for next season, but we do need your help to make them happen. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, a member, to join us, to support us. You'll get an extra big interview every month, plus lots of other bonus content. Last season, our members got nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Dini, and Roberto Di Matteo. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Do it now, please. <laughs>